welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today is Mission Sunday here at Bethany Community Church. If you'd like more information about other ministries here, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org or you could always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. And missions is the birth of new life. It's the birth of new babies into the kingdom of God. And there's nothing more exciting than new babies in a household and in a church. And there's nothing more exciting than new babies in the kingdom of God. And that's what this day is all about. It's about us believing once again in the, in the obligation and the miracle of reproduction. Amen? I look in Mark chapter 6, 15, 16, 15, and it says we're to go to all the world and preach the gospel. Now, go, G-O, is the first two letters in the word gospel. Gospel means good news, right? Go, G-O, is also the first two letters in the word good. And you know, I believe with all my heart and am totally convinced That the gospel of Jesus Christ is good for humans. And it's good for human flourishing. Would you say amen? It's often a well-kept secret. But the gospel of Jesus Christ that we financially and physically support is really good for us. It's not just about when we die. It is about that, of course. In the ancient world, children were... And I, I, I picked up some of these uh, statistics and all from John Ortberg, which was very helpful. I want to give him credit. But in the ancient world, children were routinely left to die of exposure, particularly if they were the wrong gender. <laughs> uh, years ago, a Norwegian scholar named Bach wrote a study of the gospel's impact on children, and it was entitled, When Children Became People, The Birth of, the early, of early Christianity. Rebecca McLaughlin writes, Christian universities and colleges were founded, most of the top schools in the world, to the glory of God. Cambridge, Oxford, Harvard, Princeton were all started to teach people to love Jesus with all our minds and spread the gospel. I've got a campus leader here today, so uh, you, you say, say something if I say something that's not true. <laughs> You know, Puritan leaders of Massachusetts in Colony in 1642 passed a law that required Puritans who were strong Christians. There's some things to criticize about them, of course. But these strong Christians passed a law that required parents to provide their children with, uh, with basic education, including literacy and numeracy. In fact, if you did not educate your children, they would take your children away from you and educate them for you. In 1787, the Council of Nyssa decreed, wherever the cathedral existed, there must be a place to care for the poor and the sick. They called it hospice or hospitals. So hospitals have their origin in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another thing that I I noticed as I was preparing for these remarks, that the ancient world honored all kinds of virtues like wisdom, courage, success, 
But the one virtue they did not honor was the virtue of humility. Plutarch, a great, a great philosopher, wrote a book entitled How to Praise Yourself Inoffensively. <laughs> Today, we call it emotional intelligence. But the gospel calls it humility. First century gospel saturated the Christian world. The Christians would go outside of Rome and they would find the bodies that were piled up that the emperors had killed. And they would bring them in, into the city and give them dignified and decent burials. See, equal value of all humans was originally a uniquely Christian ideal. You will not find equal value of all human beings, even in the supposedly sophisticated Greco-Roman world of antiquity. You will not find the value of women, slaves, children, of all people. In fact, bias and prejudice, a lot of it, we can trace it right back to Socrates and people like that. When Conan the Barbarian was asked, what is the best life? He responded, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah Arendt, a non-Christian, and the first woman appointed to full scholarship at Princeton University, said, the discovery of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs was Jesus of Nazareth. Imagine that, a world without forgiveness. We're, we're, kinda, we're trying to get back to that, it seems like, these days. In Acts 16.9, the Apostle Paul saw a vision of a man from part of Asia called Macedonia. And that man from Macedonia, Paul said in his vision, can you come over and help us? And the next verse is very interesting to me. The next verse, it says this. Paul concluded that we are to go to Macedonia and preach the gospel. Something about that stood out to me this week as I meditated on it. Someone needed help, and Paul said, oh, he needs help. He needs the gospel. And so today we're here to say that we have what will help the world. We have what will help Menden. We, we have what will help the greater Milford area. We, ha we have what will help Massachusetts. We have, we have what will help our campuses and universities. We have what will help the United States of America. We have what will help the world. We, we who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ are good for humanity and vital to human flourishing. Amen? Go plus gospel equals good for human flourishing. That's what today is about. That's what Bethany Community Church is about. Welcome to Go 2020. I am so happy to introduce some wonderful friends of ours. And uh, we have supported them for a number of years. And uh, I would like to see us increase our support. When you would like that too, wouldn't you, Gene? So this is Gene and Lynn Brettenbach. And um, they are campus missionaries to uh, at Boston University and been in campus ministry. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been doing this, and what you do in Boston. Okay. Well, first, thank you. Thank you for your support to us, and thank you for the difference you have made in students' lives. 
we'll share in, in a moment some of those differences. But by investing in the universities here, you are touching one of the main steering mechanisms of our culture. But more than that, you are changing the lives of students that go out and then change the lives of more students. So thank you. Thank you very much. We work with Chi Alpha Campus Ministries. That's the Assemblies of God um, missionary outreach to secular colleges and universities around the world. Um, universities are a crossroad. They're these organizations that take emerging adults at the, the most vulnerable but also the most dynamic point in their lives and shapes them. But not only them, but because we're here in, in the Northeast, this is the most influential place in America. Most of the colleges in the country are here, and people from every state in the country come here to study, every country in the world. God has put them here so that they can be touched in their four to 10 years in university, and then sent back as evangelists, missionaries, ministers, to wherever they came from. And so it, it's, it's an essential piece and, and an essential place. For Lynn and I, we are children of Chi Alpha. Uh, for myself, I had only been a believer for a couple weeks, and then I came to the university, and in my first weekend, I met um, students that invited me to come to their Bible study, and that has shaped my life from that point on. Very vulnerable. Lynn had a, more of a grounding, but again, this was a place where her foundation was made. So for a little bit more than 30 years, we have been national campus evangelists traveling the country. We have worked as campus missionaries on campuses in Washington State for a while. But we always knew our call was to come out here to Boston and minister. And so for about the last 15 years, we have been here in Boston and had the joy of, of becoming a Northeasterner. Give us a snapshot of what campus ministers and missionaries actually do. Okay, so if you come for a typical week, there'll be a large group gathering and there will be small discipleship groups throughout the campus. But our main task is to go to people who don't know the gospel yet uh, and to join in with those Christian students that come in. And together, we want to see the kingdom of God expand. Most of our group right now has been following the Lord for just over a year. They are young in their faith, and they are excited, and they're, they're growing fast. But this, what really describes us is what happens to the students we minister to. Um, students like, like Anne, if, if you'd share about Anne for just a second. So Anne uh, is a uh, Latin American student who came into Boston University on a scholarship, brilliant girl. Our, at our first meeting, she came in and sat in the back alone and left very quickly when we, it was done. She didn't want anyone to talk to her. She didn't want to talk to anyone. Extremely shy and uh, full of a lot of fear about people. But she kept coming back. And uh, lo and behold, spring, uh, her freshman year of her spring, I'm sorry, spring break, she decided to come with us to Haiti on our spring break missions trip. And for the next four years, she came uh, to our spring break missions trips to Haiti. She also became a leader in our group 
She led a small group for two years in a row. She was a president of our group, came to every single planning meeting, just grew and grew and blossomed and opened up. Uh, when she, uh, she went to the World Mission Summit, at a, uh, not, not this last time, but the time before, about six years ago, and she, um, she got a call on her life to missions and committed herself to give a year in missions. This little, shy, fearful girl is going to go out and be a missionary. She graduated from Boston University with honors and uh, immediately spent 30 days in Nepal to get ready to, to spend a year somewhere and ha came back a changed woman. She raised her funds, and right now she is in Peru just finishing up her first, uh, her give a year in missions with Ricky Hendon, who is a uh, AG campus pastor, I'm mean, sorry, AG world missionary in uh, Peru with an unreached people group. Her goal is to reach unreached people. And here she is. I just can't believe it. She's about ready to come home, and she has spent a whole year getting to know new people, talking to them, and letting them talk to her, too. She's grown so much. So what we do most of all is we meet very young students, and we want to be there to help them mature into world changers. So a week from now, we, we go out on the mission field again for our spring break, Cole would be one other student I'd mentioned briefly. When he came, he came from a church background. He knew what was right and wrong, but he fell in with a group of rowdy friends, started drinking, partying, and started a little bit of involvement with us, but he went on a spring break trip with us. And in Haiti, he saw the life that was there, the needs that were there, and on the second day, he was in tears. And he just said, I have wasted my life. And from that point on, he gave his life more fully to Jesus. He ministered a group, became president, did outreaches, and today is serving in Boston through the local church in some very dynamic ways. So tell us, uh, we know culture is constantly changing. The only thing constant is change. How has student ministry, you've been in students for 35 years. Yeah. How has student ministry to university students, how has it changed through the years? Okay, I'd say two things come to mind really quickly. One, when I grew up, Christianity was everywhere. I mean, there's even two of the original Star Trek episodes that talk about God because the censors for the network made them do that. Gilligan's Island quoted scripture. So it was in the culture and, and I knew things even before I knew about the full story of the gospel. That's not the case for most of our students who are coming to the university now. Their knowledge of what the Bible says, who Jesus is, what he stands for, is almost non-existent. And, and I'll be honest, that doesn't matter whether they came from the church or not. We're just seeing that we're starting with students at, at square one. They don't know. We used to, I always start my evangelism a lot by asking people to share with me who they thought Jesus was. Now I have most people give me a blank stare and go, I, I don't have anything to say. So that's one piece that's changed dramatically. The other one is, is the most often asked question on campus is not, how do I get rid of my guilt? I come from a generation that we knew what was right and wrong, but we, 
we were innovators, we were blazing new trails, we were throwing off the old, but deep down we felt guilty about what we'd walked away from. And so the way you started a gospel presentation was to talk about the power of the cross to get rid of your guilt. For our students today, they didn't grow up in that situation. And the most often asked question on campus is what difference does Jesus make in the world? Most Americans are not atheists. Atheists make up five to 8% of the population. Most Americans are good deist secularists. They believe in God. They believe he exists, but they believe he's far away. He might have created things, and they hope that eternal bliss will be on the other side. But they don't know that Jesus can make any difference in their life now. And that's what they're looking for. So every evangelism encounter, for me now, starts with the Holy Spirit, with what God does now in our lives, what's possible. And everything you heard pastors say about the work that faith has done in creating civilization today, without Jesus, we would be living a very different kind of life today. If you really look at what the world was like before the gospel went out, we have been transformed as a people. Depression and anxiety are epidemic in high schoolers, in junior high, and in college, to the point that we cannot build our psych department at BU fast enough to keep up with the need that's there. We have raised a really anxious generation. And the only answer for that is that there's a God who works in our life daily, who gives value to our life, who brings change. And so when pastor says that you are answering a real need in the world around you, you need to realize there's no competitors out there right now. When I grew up, there were all kinds of other philosophies that looked really good. They've all crashed and burned. What you speak as the good news, you just need to realize most people have never heard that, and it's going to look so good compared to anything that right now the world's putting up because the world doesn't have much to put up at this moment. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, we want to we pray with you right now. And we want, to, we want to thank you for being here. We want to bless you. And when, we, when you get ready to make that pledge today, remember we're supporting people like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for Lynn and Jean Brettenbach, her son Aaron, who's sitting over here today. Your blessings on them and bless their ministry, cause it to explode and go to a whole other level this next year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless thank you. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, and, and I don't know, we didn't mention this, but the InterVarsity group that we kind of planted two years ago, I think, is actually doing super well. They've been having like 10 to 12 kids a, a week, and, and so um, we also are involved in the Navigators. Um, so we, we try to, we want to be involved in everybody, because some of these people aren't at every school, and we want to make sure we are, so... Um, World missions, like when I was a kid, this was the, the thing, right? You say this, you talk about a missionary, and it's all Bible translations and the BGMC buckets and, and all those. We, I, I remember actually when I was a kid, we had missionary baseball cards. How weird is that? There would be like this card with like this 60-year-old lady on it. <laughs> um, but when you think about it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. These are superheroes, people that are willing to give up their life 
um, and give up their, you know, lot to go into these places. And so we have a range of people we're supporting this year, and, and we wanted to just kind of go through it really quick because we often don't get a chance to highlight these people. And many of you, this is the first time you're going to kind of hear about some of these people. But first of all, we have Daryl and Sandy Blatchley, which we do all know we have a very good relationship with here at this church. They are serving Family Circus in the Philippines, and they focus on ministering um, to the poor and to children in their community. They have a, um, they, they're in a place with a high concentration of um, Muslims, and so they're ministering to that community. Um, I've actually been to what they do, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. Like, they literally have, like, a hydroponics garden in the back that they train people on. They have a catfish um, that also all that funnels into the hydroponics garden. So they're doing super innovative stuff as well, besides just they're doing dental work for people. They're fixing their, like, their feet. I mean, it's, they're doing amazing stuff in the Philippines. Next, um, we have Neil and Kathy Venaria. Um, and these people are really, really incredible. Um, they um, are currently in Italy, um, but prior to that, they were in New Guinea. And um, they really are focusing on serving the migrant population. Um, they've also been involved in some scripture translations and things like that over the years. Um, next series we have um, Don and Carol Batera, and they are serving in Indonesia. Um, they are doing ministry to the villages and a lot of the people who are underserved, just spreading the gospel. Their mission is to train pastors um, and to plant churches and open up medical missions. If you don't understand or if you don't know about the Assemblies of God, one of our number one missions is um, to expand the indigenous church. We think that churches grow much more healthy when they grow from the people that live in that country. So we don't want to just go there and just, you know, we're the saviors. We want to go there, we want to train up leaders, and then we want to leave. That's our mission and our goal, and they're part of that mission and goal. One Hope, uh, international ministry, and um, they're there to affect destiny, providing God's eternal word. And so we are part of that. We actually had a project we sponsored last year, which was a, um, a translation project um, for um, people who actually um, had... I think it was either sight or um, hearing um, de deficiencies around the world. And so um, since 1987, there's been like a billion children who have received an age-specific, culturally relevant presentation of God's word. And so that's pretty incredible. Um, biblical translation is something I have a huge heart for because when you think about that there are people in the world that actually don't have a Bible and couldn't have a Bible, that that's actually, that should devastate us. That should really be something that we're super passionate about affecting and changing. International Justice Ministry is one of, um, how many of you guys have ever heard about ministries to human trafficking? Uh, this is one of the number one problems in our world. There are more slaves today than at any point in history, uh, more people in slavery. And International Justice Ministry, is they do, they do things that I think are incredibly innovative in this space which is they really focus on um, dealing with a lot of the, um, um, really the political issues, the, the, um, the legal issues. They, they're getting lawyers. They're doing all these things because these systems aren't happening just because of the individual, the pimps and the prostitutes, but they're happening because there are systems in place that allow these things to happen. And so International Justice Ministry gets involved in that at a high level, and they try to really, really make a difference that's more long-term and more systemic. And so we want to show you guys a story because at the end of the day, that sounds really legal and crazy, but it's really about people. 
right? And it's really about the individual lives impacted by something like this. And really, that, this is just for international justice ministry, but every one of these missionaries is affecting someone's life on an individual level. And I think it's really important that when you think about missions, um, always think about individuals. Always think about people. Think about your kids. Think about your husband, your wife, and how you would want them to be treated if someone around in another side of the world had resources and had life-saving knowledge. Would you want them to tell you? Would you want them to tell your kids? Would you want them to save your kids from slavery? Um, I think it's really important. So let's, let's watch this amazing story from the International Justice Ministry. Despite the beauty of this country, there's a plague here that most people can't see, and it's sexual violence against the smallest of children. They are particularly vulnerable because they truly have no voice. They have no power to fight back. My name is Griselda. I would like to open my heart and share my story. Cuando tenía 13 años, fuimos con mi mamá y mi hermano a la iglesia. Cuando veníamos de regreso a mi casa, vimos a un carro color azul que se nos adelantó. Se bajó un hombre, me tomó muy fuerte y me subió al carro. En ese momento es algo, algo terrible. Lo primero que uno dice es, me la van a matar. Los tres empezaron a, a discutir por, por quién de los tres iba a ser el, el, el primero en, en abusar de mí. Me sentía muy, muy sola. Tal vez me atrevería a decir sucia, culpable de lo que me había sucedido. Era un miedo bastante, bastante grande. No, te, no quería salir a la, a la calle porque sabía que afuera había hombres y pensaba que todos iban tras de mí y querían abusar nuevamente de mí. Sexual trauma doesn't heal itself. It needs appropriate therapy as well as we believe in trying to hold the perpetrator accountable. Después conocí a este grupo de, de ángeles tan hermoso como es IJM. Pienso que cambió mucho. Gracias a, a la ayuda de, de las terapias pude superar eso y sentirme mejor conmigo misma, pero sobre todo al relacionarme con, con más personas. The best efforts to educate people and empower people can be defeated if they experience violence and they're not given justice after having become victims of violence in their own communities. dieron la, la confianza que necesitábamos, ¿verdad?, como para poder seguir el caso eh, y terminarlo, ¿verdad? El que en ningún momento, pues, no se hayan dejado solos, ¿verdad?, y, y que se haya podido llevar la, la justicia, ¿verdad?, hasta donde tenía que llegar. Sabía que no le iban a, a poder hacer daño a, a otras niñas y fue un sentimiento de tranquilidad, no solo para mí, sino que también para mi familia, porque sabía que, que íbamos a estar 
mejor. Ella, el año pasado que hizo su práctica acá, nos mostró cuán grande es Dios, porque ella pudo ayudar a otras niñas. For those of you actively supporting IJM, I want to let you know that you're changing lives. That you're changing lives day in and day out as a result of your investment. Good morning. I just want to say to my son that I might have been on one of those baseball cards because I am over 60-year-old woman. So. <laughs> Megan Petty, would you just come here just for one moment? I want to introduce you guys to one member of the CNE team, and we have um, just an amazing group of people who make up the CNE team. Some of us are people who make money so that people like Megan can do their job. And um, I just wanted you to know that Megan is not always in this sanctuary. She's up at the happy place making it possible for families who have special needs kids to come to church. And that's a great thing. So who are we going to meet in this next video? You're going to meet a gentleman named Zach. He's been with us since we started five years ago. And um, you're going to meet his parents, who are um, just really great, hardworking people. They actually have two kids with special needs. So what we do at the clubhouse is really, really important for them. Thank you. Meet Zach. Zach's supposed to be the center of attention. That's true. That's Sit okay. up straight. Are you nervous to be on film, Zach, or excited? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Zach is... He was diagnosed as PDD-NOS, which is autism. Zach is 17. Zachary loves puzzles mm. half as much as he loves Legos. Yeah. I wish I had all the money I spent on Legos, but yeah. he does that. Um, loves coming to the happy place. Loves all his friends, school. What do you want people to know about Zach? That he's a kind, loving, good-hearted soul. Good, kind, hearted soul, huh? Never had a bad day. Right, he's 
always smiling. He's always for happy. a long period of time. Yeah. The hardest part is just that you're basically on call 24-7-365. So there are a lot of breaks. You have to be on top of things all the time. So when you have an opportunity to come to the happy place, those eight hours a month and the quarterly 24-hour breaks are pretty important for overall sanity as a parent. And what made you reach out and sign Zach up for the happy place? Why wouldn't we have? reached out, right? Yeah. As soon as we found out your friends were here, yeah. and we found out about it, and the great fun things that are yeah. done here. Yeah. Uh, Do you love it? Yeah. Uh, Zach, what's your favorite thing about the happy place? Yeah. Doing puzzles. You're so good at them. Just a great opportunity to be with their peers and for you know, hang out with friends, be around other folks, do fun things. Been a lot of fun. Met a lot of friends along the way. What do you think about the staff and the volunteers? Are they awesome? Does a happy place make you happy or sad? Happy. Zach is um, just one of uh, many, many, many students who go to the happy place. And we are so honored that as a church family, we have a local mission to a group of people that churches have not really prepared for and not really recognized um, that families who have special needs kids are just waiting for the church to be the church. And so we're excited to be a part of that. The other thing that Compassion New England does, and I'm here representing Compassion New England, and I'll just tell you really quickly, Compassion New England has uh, several things that we do. The first thing is you got to see the happy place, and that is vocational program for special needs students and adults. And we have a ton of kids in that program, I think 110 in that program. And then the happy place camps and clubs. And so uh, camps happen uh, last year nine times, and the clubhouse is weekly and more than one day a week. Um, so that's amazing. And then the second thing that we do is a crisis center, and we have a crisis center in downtown Milford, and we have a, just an amazing group of people who serve. Last year we served over 350 people in the clubhouse, gave back to our community almost $500,000 in just um, doing our best to make a difference. So we are so excited about that. And today, I want you to um, get to meet a person who, uh, now she attends church with you every Sunday, but here's her story. Meet Donna. Well, I came to here to Milford uh, uh, with nothing but a bag of dirty laundry, and I was told about the crisis center at the Blessing Barn, and um, I went there and I was amazed at all the things that they gave me to 
do what I have to do. Well, it made a big difference in my life because uh, uh, they gave me the tools and everything that I needed to get back on my feet. So when I finally got back on my feet, I decided to go back to the Blessing Barn and give back. They're an amazing organization. Um, they give back to the community, and it's, it's just the compassion and the love that is brought about is it's amazing. Everyone should do it. We're local need, local aid, and we need you. What a uh, incredible church that we have, you know. I, I think there's, there's a time and a place to brag, and I think those, that's the time and the place. And I, I think um, when you look at mission and purpose, uh, you know, the gospel is all about um, connecting people to God's love, connecting people to what Jesus has done for them. Um, but ultimately, a lot of that's connecting people to their value and letting them know um, that Jesus cares about them, that he, he thinks that they're worth um, noticing. And it's very hard for people to feel like you notice them when you ignore them, when you ignore their pain, when you don't meet their needs. And um, so we, we know that, of course, we want to tell people about Jesus. It's why we do this every week. It's why we do this every day. Um, and as you can see, you know, through our serving, we're also connecting them to Jesus. Um, but we also want to meet their needs. We want people to feel like God sees them and notices them. He cares about them. And so I think this is a layup for you. For all the other people involved, it's, it's a lot of hard work. But for us that are sitting in here that don't have to be missionaries, that aren't called to be missionaries in that way, um, this is easy. Um, it just takes money. Money is the easiest way to solve any problem if you have it. And, and so... So I just want to just pray that God would move on your hearts, that you would see um, the purpose behind this, and that you would give sacrificially. Um, Go 2020 is, is um, how we do it as a church. We have a heart for missions, and we want to make it a theme. We don't want people around here to just forget about the fact that, you know, we want you to grow. We want, we want you to grow as an individual in your own soul and in community um, with the people who love Jesus. But we really, really, really want to connect you to purpose. And, and some of that purpose is going to be in your homes and at your jobs. But we also believe that a lot of that purpose happens outside. Even outside of a place some of you will never go to any of the places that we mentioned. You're not going to go to Indonesia or the Philippines. You'll probably never even go into a campus and do work there. And that's okay. Like, God has not called everyone to do all those things, but he has called someone. And we need to really care about those people, and we need to fund them, and we need to really think about our money is just money until we give it purpose. And so for each of us, um, this is your call to grow. This is your sermon. Um, God wants us to be people that care about his kingdom more than we care about ourselves. The Bible says, you know, he says, hey, anyone who's going to follow me, they have to hate their family. Which sounds like a harsh word, but he's, he's not really saying we should hate our families. He's, what he's actually said is you have to compare it to love, how much you love me, right? And so 
that's a high calling, but I think it directly relates to missions because anyone who's going to follow God and follow him has to really look and go, compared to how much I love the Lord, all this money doesn't matter. My convenience doesn't matter. Going out to eat literally one time in a month, I'll skip it. Five cups of coffee, coffee, I'll skip it because God's kingdom is so important to me. And I can see the difference I'm making, and that matters more. And so that's really what it is. Um, I, I don't like to guilt trip people, but I do like to give people facts and give them an opportunity to make a choice um, based on real information, right? And the truth is, if you decide you want to contribute and participate in this, and we're asking for monthly giving, we're asking in the best of um, best case scenario that you contribute um, with auto withdrawals, and so because it's tough to remember. I've been doing it myself. I wouldn't ask you to do something that um, I don't do myself. So I give my tithe, and then I give my missions every month. And, and we're asking you to do that because we believe that it's going to make a huge, huge, huge difference. And we think that God will bless you, maybe not financially, but he'll bless you. Maybe some of us um, just need to do something bigger than ourselves, and that will change our lives. And, and so the calling for you right now is um, put God's kingdom first, make it important, and um, be willing to start moving your priorities outside of this world and into the next world. Monthly pledge amounts, we're asking for $25, dollars $75, $100. Um, if, if I can have just the um, our awesome ushers begin to hand out the cards, that would be awesome. Um, so we're asking for $25, $50, $75, $100. Of course, you can do whatever you want, and anything is super appreciated. I don't know your situation. God does, and you do, so do whatever you and God agree to. Um, that that and do it prayerfully. And by the way, you can pray really quick. <laughs> you don't have to go home. <laughs> I'll be back next week. I'll decide if what God says. Um, but you can, um, we're asking for monthly pledges, 25, 50, 75, 100. Um, and we're trying really hard to hit $75,000 in missions giving. Um, that's just our heart. I mean, just internally, that's what every year we shoot for this. Um, and to be real, we've never hit it. Um, we did it. But I will say this, and I'm super grateful for this. We did $45,000 in mission giving last year. And so give yourselves a hand for that. <laughs> but every year we talk internally and we're like, we're going to just keep shooting for this big number because we believe um, in putting that faith out there. And, and we love you guys and we trust you guys. And, and so we... We just want to go big. <laughs> we, we'd rather not settle for, for, for where we are, but we want to keep going. But man, $45,000 is nothing to sneeze at. It's a really, really super generous church. And so we're so grateful for you guys and what you're willing to do for all these amazing causes. And so there's three ways to set up reoccurring giving. You can do it in person. They'll help you out. Of course, you can go to our website um, and just go to, um, go to your profile on there. And then um, the app is the easiest way. I highly recommend you just do it on there. Um, and of course, you got a card right there. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just pray. And we're going to start um, collecting the offering. Pastor's going to come up and he's going to close us. But um, I want to just encourage you to have a, just a little moment and say, um, what can I give up? that I can give to you, God. 
how can I worship you through um, serving your kingdom in this way? God, we know $50 is not a lot of money, and we know that we can think of other ways to spend it. But we ask that our hearts would just be um, motivated by your kingdom and our love for you, that nothing would matter more than you. We also ask that people would come to our mind, that you would speak prophetically into our hearts um, where this money is going to go, that you would give us a heart for missions, a heart for people who aren't in America, a heart for people who have different skin color than us and different cultures than us, and um, that maybe we feel like we can't relate with, people with special needs, um, people who are enslaved by sex traffickers, that we would start thinking about those people every single time we, we give that pledge and we would realize um, that this is the best way to invest our money. It's through changing lives, through telling people about the gospel, and um, through investing in your kingdom. Move in our hearts um, and bless us because I believe every time we serve you, God, we get a, a much better return on that investment than we could ever have imagined. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor Jay. Uh, Shane, if you can, can you throw up a picture of the Love Your Neighbor building downtown? I want to I want to close by I want to just address you those of you who are still thinking about what you will give to missions. Um, you know what the term direct giving means? Remember that if I if I brought Sandy Blatchley up here today from the Philippines and had her tell you about 5,000 hungry children they feed every month, you would give me $20,000. Just like that. You did it. One time I brought her up here. In that service, you gave us $20,000 because she described a specific place where you could send your money and it would make a difference. And I love that. We're going to do that, by the way. You're going to get a chance in the next months. We're going to have things we're going to bring to you and say, give to this cause. But let me tell you, what you do when you only do direct giving. I, got a, I talked to a missionary a couple days ago. He works with Convoy of Hope, which we, every time there's a crisis, we send them an offering, Convoy of Hope. They're doing incredible work around the country. I think only rivaled by maybe Samaritan's Purse and what they do. And every time there's a disaster, Convoy of Hope shows up. They're awesome. This young man raised 95% of his budget. I could not tell him that I will help him give to the other 5%. Because we need you to pledge to our program so we are free. Because we're going to have an opportunity to see all, all kinds of needs that you won't get to see. We would take every service time every Sunday if all we did was brought you the needs and the calls that we get all the time. So we're asking you to equip your church. Equip the leadership of your church so that we can bless people that you won't even know about until you get to heaven. And when you get to heaven, you're going to have this awesome, awesome surprise. You're not only going to see Sandy Blatchley, and she's going to be, and all the people that you won to Christ through her, you're going to get to see all these other people that you didn't even know your, your lives were touching. So I thank you. Thank you for being a great audience today. Thank you for our guests for coming today. Thank you, Pastor Jay. Thank you, Sherry, for compassionate. I wanted to show everybody who doesn't know, that's where the crisis center is. We, that is our building. My, my office is like the 
fourth window in the middle there. And our, our, our youth ministry meets downstairs. But back down, that, down the street there is where the crisis center. And that's where uh, we meet all these wonderful people who come with their needs. And we help them with counseling. We help them with food. We help them with clothing. We send them to the, the, the blessing barn, that other picture where they can get furniture. And we're very excited about our local mission. And that's another thing. Your money is going to help support that as well. So um, thank you. Did you pray already? Ever again? <laughs> You're awesome. God bless bless these awesome missionaries who sit in front of me today, who love you and love the world, and that's part of the reason they're in church today because they want to worship you, and God, they want to worship you with their gift to cause the gospel to go into this community and around the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.